You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello, I'm Jason Rezaian. I'm a global opinions writer here at the Washington Post, and welcome to Washington Post Live for another program in the Race in America series. Joining me today is stand-up comedian, co-creator, and star of the new Netflix series, Mo. Mo Amer, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. And just a quick note for our audience. We want to hear from you as well. So send us your questions for Mo via Twitter using the handle at Post Live. Let's get started. Mo, you've talked about uh, how this show explores belonging and your experiences. Uh, I've had the opportunity to watch the show. I binged it over a weekend, uh, and, I, and I watched your two Netflix specials as well. So I've got a ton of questions for you, but I, I'd, I'd love oh, it if boy. you... <laughs> Uh, but I'd love it if you, if you just start by telling us about your own experience and how, how you've ex explored belonging in this country uh, in, in the series. Well, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've explored it through my art, which has been um, such a relief to have and something that has uh, helped me. Uh, it's been very therapeutic for me and, and, and it's been a great way to um articulate how i view things in the world but uh belonging in america is is really one of the fundamental things of being american it's just like you get here it's fish out of water you're trying to understand where you come from when you look around and and you see that that it, you know landing in houston texas most diverse city in america that it is um that you do belong here that it takes a while for everybody else to catch up but you know, once they do, they appreciate you even more. You know, I I uh, have not spent any time in, in Houston, but I, I understand a bit about the demographics. It is sort of the city of the future of America in a lot of ways. Um, talk about it as a character in Mo, because it really, that sense of place is such an essential part of what you've created here. Yeah, it was really important to me. Um, to highlight the city in a in a flattering way in the way I see Houston. Um, and the way I did that was the way I would describe the show uh, to, you know, my director and the DPs, like I wanted it to be shot like an urban Western. There's all these, like, you know, Houston has the cloud formations that come off of the Gulf really special and rich and, and just bold. And, and the sun is always beaming a certain way that is just a little bit different than anywhere else. And, uh, and just, describe it as an urban western you know just kind of getting those spaghetti western shots while also getting the backdrop and the authenticity of what houston is well i hope that at some point i can come down to houston and enjoy you know a series of meals with you because it seems like a great place to eat as well it's the best food city in america guaranteed i know there's a lot of cities going to take this personal but i'm i'm ready i'm ready to put up a, put it up against you i promise you it's one of the best cities in the world for food in the world even not just america it's pretty spectacular you can go to one shopping mall and and uh one one little shopping strip and then just have nigerian food next to vietnamese food next to chinese food next to mexican food next to arab food and every time you walk in there you just be in a different land it's pretty spectacular it seems like it um in the show one of the the many challenges uh, of Mo's immigration status is that he doesn't have a work permit. Um, and so he has to resort to, you know, taking different types of jobs and working under a table. And we've got a clip 
Um, let's take a quick look. I got some brand new Dita Grandmaster 6 rose gold plated sunglasses. See how they feel. Check it out, check it out, check it out. Ooh. <laughs> hey, cold, bro. You look amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, these, these is it. Fire, bro. They classic and timeless. Just like my whip, bro. Hey, no, this, this ain't classic. It's just old. <laughs> my father gave me this car before he died, man. I ain't mean no disrespect, bro. Just, look, I can do 50. And now you're being disrespectful. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. You don't wait, deserve wait, these. Wait, no, wait, no, 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 wait, no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, hey, wait, wait. What? Hundred dollars. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. Hundred dollars. You getting closer. Look, I'm gonna throw in this leather case. Okay. Genuine leather. Okay. And this box with the proper paperwork, 125. Period. Don't even try it. Just say yes. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah you got, you got a deal. Okay, right. okay. Something that that clip reminded me of is um, what a shape changer uh, your character is. I mean, you know, in different settings with people of different backgrounds, uh, you know, you really um, are able to kind of connect with the person that you're talking to, employing their vernacular, uh, you know, really standing in their shoes. How much of that has been part of your immigration journey in America? Uh, it's been a big part. I mean, going back to what I was saying about being a fish out of water and and then quickly realizing that you need to um, communicate with everyone, like assess people really quickly and, and find a way to communicate with them in a way where they feel comfortable with you and they feel um, that, um, that you're one of them. And it was just something they just had to do for like survival purposes. Um, yeah, that was a big part of it. Can, can you expand on the question too is about belonging and well i mean just that in that sense of just the different communities uh that that you come in in in, in contact with in the show african-americans uh you're in a relationship yeah. with a mexican character your own you know palestinian um brethren your nigerian best friend i mean you know th there's just a lot going on here no, it is. And that's just a testament to the, the city of Houston. I wanted to constantly make sure that to, to showcase the most diverse city in America in, in a proper way. Aside from having one of the most diverse casts on television, uh, Houston is that place. The suburb of Ailey, where I grew up, where the where the show takes place, there's 80 languages spoken in that in that suburb alone. It's wow. that's pretty um, that's pretty staggering stat for for the population. So I. I that was something that was very easy to do in the show. It was something important to do and, and to, to, re to reflect it accurately. Um, but as far as like the diversity and, and you know, how I, how the character Mo really um, just works his way and navigates his way through, you know, selling stuff in the back of the, out of his truck or out of his car, excuse me, out of his trunk. And, and whether he's, uh, you know, trying to feel like, he belongs in the city that he that, that loves him, that raised him, but also just like he sells Yeezys to to a Southern man, and he and he approaches him with a Southern accent to make him feel comfortable, and gives him a couple of phrases that 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 brings him in even closer to him, and and that way he can pull off the sale. It it really uh, shines through. One thing, you know, I, I have a process question. Um, you know, I, I watched uh, your two um, Netflix stand-up specials after I watched the show. And, you know, there's so many 
uh, of the of the bits from 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 your stand-up shows that that you're able to kind of translate into scenes. Talk about that process. That ain't easy. You know, w- what was that like? And um, and you know, how far in advance did you know that you know th- this is something that I want to I want to act out with multiple characters at some point? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a mixture of things. So like the flashback in episode seven where. Um, my family is fleeing the Gulf War in Kuwait and coming to Houston. That's something I put together about nine years ago, about eight years ago, eight and a half years ago. And so it's always been in the works. And then from your stand-up, you know, my stand-up was drawn from my real experiences. So some of them, it would just, it was just such a pleasure to explore it in a, in a, um, on television where you perform it in stand-up and it's just you, but now bringing it to life and able to fictionalize it and, and mold it in a particular way where it fits into the story was a lot of fun. Now, you know, there are two really important relationships and multiple important relationships in the show, but there's two primary relationships, the one with your mom uh, and and the one with your Mexican Catholic girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about those relationships. Talk about Mo's relationships um, and, and uh, you know, what's most vital and important to this character. Yeah, there's the mom, there's the girlfriend, there's the brother that's also important, and there's the relationship with um, his father, his deceased father, that also shapes him today. And I can't talk about the mom without, you know, uh, acknowledging the dad relationship, which he lost at a young age, uh, which really makes sense when you see him in modern day and present day that he's overcompensating with his mom and he's making sure he doesn't make the same mistakes that he made with his father. Uh, And then you have episode two, which is like a complete dedication to moms and a love letter really to moms. The title of the episode is Yamo, which is a Syrian slang from mom. And this, there's this particular song that, that plays while she's making olive oil and, and, and finding her own purpose again. Um, after so many years after her, her, uh, her husband passes away. So that song is so incredibly special. It's from a, uh, a Syrian show called Rawar that I've always wanted to put on American television. That is, um, it's a classic TV show. It's entitled after the main character, Rawar. And there's a scene where he's uh, essentially singing for Mother's Day to his moms. And it's, uh, it's a prayer. It's, uh, it's talking about how... Uh, you know, nine months you carried me, and I, when you raised me, I gave you so much drama. And, and how many pairs of socks did you lay out for me? How many times did you go hungry to feed me? And, and the last verse is an entire prayer. And when I heard that song, I was about six years old. And there's only two times I've seen my father cry, was during that song and when my grandmother passed away, my mom's mom. Uh, and I've always wanted to put it on television, and we were able to track uh down the creator Dred Laham of that show and he gave us direct permission to use that song. So the mom relationship is very, very important. If you watch my first special, there's a dedication to my mom as well in that it just happened naturally and organically. I didn't want to I didn't plan it. Uh and then the girlfriend relationship is a great exploration in, into you know religion and having conversations that happen pretty often in relationships, but I've never really seen on American television before where it's a genuine, um, uh, sorry, I don't know if you can hear the lawn, the lawn guy okay. or not. I it happens in life. What are you going to do? Gotcha. What are you going to do? Right. 
but the relationship with the girlfriend was really important to highlight their their um, their differences, but they're also seeing like they both are believers in the end. And really, the 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 tension about religion wasn't the biggest thing. Like Mo is in the show is using that as an excuse because he feels less than and he can't actually provide for her as he would like to because his immigration status is up in the air and he can't function or provide for her or his family as he would like. But he falls on the on the uh, on the religious aspect, which is meaningful to him, and they are, you know, valid differences for him. But truly, it's about his ego. Um, but those are those are like really um, beautiful relationships to explore, and then seeing him even discuss like the Arab relationship with the Spanish relationship, the, the with the Mexicanos, and and going into a little bit of history and talking about how Arabs spent time in Spain, and we're we're culturally very much alike, and potentially be the same you know have uh have you know arab dna in you you don't know you know you just do a cheek swab so it's really interesting to see that all play out it was so much fun working with teresa ruiz who was absolutely a uh, brilliant actress and and the one who plays my mom uh farah is is absolutely spectacular in the show and, and just warms my heart every time i watch her she's incredible well, that answer uh, sprouted up seven other questions, uh, but but one thing that I want to mention is that that you know kind of parallel of uh, the Mexican in America experience with the Palestinian experience. I mean, you know, you you bring up the the wall motif more than once in the show, and I think it's a really you know apt um, thing to talk about uh, right now. Yeah, you, can you repeat the question? Because it's a. Uh, I mean, I mean, that was more of a statement than a question. I apologize. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was like, is there a question there? I was like, hold on. But so, I mean, you know, the, one of the questions that that, and I, I want to say that that the the scene that you mentioned and the song that you mentioned about moms is such a gorgeous scene, and it is a beautiful song. I don't speak Arabic, uh, but you know, I got tears in my mind in my eyes. Do Palestinian moms really make olive oil at home? Uh, and uh, how does it taste compared to the stuff that you get? <laughs> I mean, I mean, like there's some that absolutely do. We get deliveries every six months from our village back home, so we do that. But my mom does not does not do that herself. It, it was fictionalized. It was it was a great way for her to find her purpose and that touchstone to home. So it was a beautiful way to articulate that. And I can't even like talk about it too much because I get emotional. It's such a personal scene and it's so meaningful and, and it's for all mothers, not just, you know, Arab Palestinian moms. It's just the dedication to moms in general. You know, Yamo is essentially like our dear mama. Mm. It's it's it is really beautiful. Um you know, you, you talked about um, the religions, the Christianity and, and Islam, uh, kind of, you know, the interplay between the two. Obviously, in your stand-up and in the show, you know, there there are a lot of references to religion. You have a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, I've, I've read uh, things that you, you've said in the past about your relationship with Dave Chappelle and others. And, you know, I'm a First Amendment person, and I believe that uh, no issue, even sacred issues, are sacred. Where do you fall on that? Um, you know, I am always in favor of more speech, not taking away speech. 
You know, whenever there is, uh, uh, you know, whenever you start taking away people's free speech, it gets really dangerous, even though there might be something you don't dis- you really disagree with. Um, you don't take it away. I think you know, whenever you have extreme speech, you need more speech. You know, people that are that are going to oppose that and really in a healthy way, in a logical way, uh, have these uh, disputes. And I think that's what it comes down to is just talking things through, uh, even if it makes you uncomfortable. There's things that makes me make me uncomfortable in, in interviews and, and people try to put me on the spot. But it's important to just answer, you know, in a grounded way and, and be really honest uh, about it. And that's the only way you're going to find understanding. If you start yeah. muzzling people and, and doing that, it's going to create a it's going to create a negative ripple effect, I believe. I don't want to put you on the spot with this one, but as you know, uh, a writer from a Muslim background, um, you know, when uh, Salman Rushdie was attacked a few weeks ago, you know, those of us who come from Islamic background, you know, had to uh, have an answer, right? And uh, were you confronted with questions about what your take on? I mean, I'd hope people. I, I hope people that would, without having a Muslim background, would have yeah. an answer as well. I mean, the bottom line is like it's obvious. Like this is a terrible thing that happened. I hope that it's yeah. unanimous. You know, like yeah. nobody should get attacked and stabbed in the neck. I mean, I'm not, I'm not meaning to to look down on this and laugh on it. It's, I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at the question that you have to like. It's like uh, after nine eleven, like how do you feel about this, Muslim? Right. It's like, bro, it's a horrible thing. What are you talking about? Like this is yeah. what do you? This is not even a question that should be posed. It's really, I find it to be. I understand why you asked it, but it's just uh, I find it to be ridiculous obviously attacking anybody who's innocent and doing that it's it's well um you know it's like you know in our religion killing one person is like killing all of humanity you know that's the way it's looked at so it's it's really horrible i hope he's recovering okay whether i agree with him or disagree with him on his takes and how he sees the world doesn't matter you can't just attack anybody anyone you know, no one can attack while while someone is on stage, they're performing or giving a speech. You, this is not the way we go about it. You know, we're supposed to be uh, one of the best creations in in the world. It's like because we have logic, we have deduction, we can have uh, conversations, whether no matter how difficult it is, and, and get to uh, uh, an understanding. Either we agree to disagree, and we peacefully go on our ways, or not. You know, like that's the way it should be done. I appreciate that. Uh, um, something else that, that that comes up in 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 your stand up um, is you know the 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 travel document not being a passport. Uh, my wife was stateless for several years when she first came to the United States. Talk about the trials and tribulations of being a refugee in this country, even one who you know went to school here, was raised here, and and feels pretty comfortable. Yeah, it was a rough one not having a you know. A passport, and that's like that was a real eye opener to to being you know. There's a there's a, there's one thing to to be stateless on paper, and there's another one to like travel as a stateless person. And the conversations would be pretty humorous sometimes, you know, like when you're traveling and it says where you're born on the travel document. So where's your Kuwaiti passport? I'm like, no, I'm not Kuwaiti. Well. What do you mean you're not Kuwaiti? She says you're born in Kuwait. I'm like, yes, but my, both my parents are Palestinian. And in Kuwait, it doesn't matter if you're born there. It matters where your parents come from. 
they're like, okay, well, give me your Palestinian passport. I'm like, man, I don't have Palestine's not a stand. I don't have a Palestinian passport. Man, we don't live in Palestine. We live in Houston. We're fighting for asylum. Like these, it's exhausting. Imagine answering that like probably twenty times on one trip, um, and then repeating that over and over again can create this. It's a really toxic thing that happens, and you start feeling like, do I? Where do I belong? And having this, um, this really like empty feeling inside, and, and just wanting to feel like you're the same as the next person next to you, but your documentation and your paperwork clearly show that you're not. And you're in a very unique position, um, and I just, I just, you know, it's about patience. It's about like just breathing deep and, and finding a really uh, constructive way to deal with these emotions. And my art was um, a great medium for me. But, you know, immigration, the asylum um, process is really long. And even if you get a fast court date and you get your asylum, it takes you five years after you're granted asylum to get your green card. And you can't even apply for citizenship until you get, you know, four years and nine months after you get your green card. So you're talking about 10 years before you get your, uh, before you get your citizenship after you're granted asylum. And that creates, um, a lot of tension and, 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 um, and essentially the system is set up in a way where, uh, you almost have to do like illegally adjacent things to make a living or put you in a situation to where you almost have to like be disingenuous or, or, you know, or have to lie in certain cases to, to just make a living. So it's tough. It's really tough. And it, and it takes a toll on you. Uh, and I almost feel like it's by design. So you quit and just go somewhere else or, you know, it, it creates cheap labor. So, yeah, it's it's a it's something that really needs to be fixed, in my opinion, and um, and and more organized, and and have some kind of way to see, uh, you know, and hear more cases uh, in a speedy manner, so people can can contribute better to uh, to America. And it's kind of crazy because you do end up paying taxes while you're doing that. You're a part of society, and you contribute in that way, and and you're still seen as as a, as someone who's not American, it's it's a it's a painful one. It's tough. And talk about I mean, you alluded to this, but you know, taking that toxic experience um, and transmuting it into art. I mean, how long do you have to sit with it before you can laugh at it, uh, or is that part of your own kind of uh, therapeutic process uh, of dealing with with the the realities of? Uh, being a migrant in this country? Yeah, I take it right away. I mean, as a stand-up, I, if something's bothering me, I talk about it immediately. It's what I do. Um, it's just you, 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 whatever's... For me, I write everything on stage. <clears throat> Excuse me. And <clears throat> I write everything on stage, and, and whatever I have, something that bothers me, the funnier it is, usually. So um, it was really, really important to... to um, you know, to, to constantly have that about, you know, my, my, the way I perform, the way I, the subject matters that I take on are, are really personal to me. And, and that usually resonates with the audience on stage because it's just seeing me kind of frustrated with, 
in turn make it even funnier and then it would be like this great partnership where i feel relieved afterwards and then i found something really funny and otherwise really stressful or hurtful situation yeah i mean i think um i I was watching the the second of your specials and you know the um the frustrated use of an f-bomb um is is really evocative and effective um (laughs) it makes you laugh every time you know I love that. I, I I love that special. It's it's really really wonderful. Um, I mean, when were you first attracted to doing stand up? Obviously, you know, you've been a funny person your whole life, right? Like you've been trying to make people laugh since you were a kid. I mean, what what? How did this all come together? Well, um, stand up is an indigenous art form to America, so I wasn't really familiar with it. It was like there's three indigenous art forms: jazz, hip hop, and stand up comedy. And, um, and you know, jazz is already spread throughout the world. So when I came to America at nine years old, um, you know, it was introduced to hip hop, which is a big part of my life to this day. <clears throat> and then I saw stand up and I loved it. It has this storytelling tradition as an Arab who comes from a storytelling tradition. I find it so fascinating to see one person on stage telling stories and being deeply personal at the same time while delivering these hilarious punchlines it's like and sharing it with a crowd i thought it was i was just immediately in love i was like this is what i'm going to do for a living i was 10 years old when i saw it i was like this is it this is what i'm going to do and four years later i started in in my high school english class um shortly after my father passed away which makes sense which really tracks to take that pain and start doing stand-up comedy was was truly something that saved my life and, and um, refocused everything for me. So you've got some really big projects uh, coming up. Um, talk to me about Black Adam, which also stars The Rock. Uh, I can't say anything. It's a DC <laughs> comic book universe. <laughs> was it fun to work anything. on? Yes, it was so fun. I was like, where do I go with this? Hello? You know, they are so strict about these things. I didn't even see the script until I got there, basically. It was really amazing. But uh, but no, working with The Rock was such a pleasure. I mean, he's exactly what he advertises, which is very frustrating. You're kind of hoping for him to have a little slip up or something. But no, he's yeah. such a genuine human being and, and really cares. And, uh, and, you know, one of his heroes is Muhammad Ali, and one of my heroes is Muhammad Ali. And he takes on the, the the Muhammad Ali mentality of of just like making time for everyone as much as he can and being present and uh, really funny. Man, I don't like saying all these nice things about him. Okay, I just like I want to find some kind of flaw about him, but I can't. He's he just sent me like four cases of Zoa energy drinks just because it was just so nice. And really, and also I, you can't mention uh black adam without talking about pierce brosnan i mean the, the entire cast first of all we're very close and we're really excited i just saw the movie a couple of weeks ago it's they've just outdone themselves the story is so good and um it, it's 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 awesome but as amazing as the rock is i mean pierce brosnan is spectacular in it what a you know that's someone i was really really excited to work with i couldn't mm. believe that he was in the movie and i was so excited to do my scene with him that i I forgot to worry about my lines. Like, I just didn't even... <laughs> I was like, oh my God, yeah, I should memorize these. I was so excited. And he's uh, he's an incredible person and someone who's done 
you know, he's like my James Bond to see him and to work with him and to learn from him. He just every day came to work with such an energy and, and enthusiasm and excitement that that just really was so contagious. Um, but everyone in the movie, we, we have a phenomenal relationship and we're going to hang out today as a cast just awesome. because we want to see each other. And that really resonates on screen. And, and I'm so excited to see such a different character like black adam come to life a, a superhero character like this this so incredibly unique and i do believe uh, that the rock's entire career has come to come to a head with this film it was all everything that he's done before was really in service of this particular film in this universe it's so special it's really special we're, we're almost out of time but my my last question for you is that uh the first season of mo ends on uh, kind of a cliffhanger um what are plans i would for say so <laughs> you know i don't want to give it away here but uh, it's gonna you know. be a spoiler it's gonna be a massive spoiler but i'm working on it right now and it's gonna be really exciting and fun that's all i can tell you i can't really say anything else yeah but yeah it's gonna be a great exploration into i can't tell, even talk about it because it'll ruin the show especially the, the way the show closes but, but it's coming it, it's happening yeah it's coming i hope so yeah i hope so i mean it seems like it i mean it'd be really I, I think it. I think it will. I feel. I feel very confident. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have uh, for today. Mo Amr, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.